0: This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am zaman Heart of the Dark. The lowly mortal who creates this content has read the series cover to cover, book to book, many, many times. He will be discussing everything he can think of, irrelevant, relevant, regardless. So... Take heed of my warning, if you have not read the series all the way through and spoil something for yourself, well, who is to blame, listener? Not I. Not I. Hello everybody, and welcome back to Gleeman Radio, your daily dose for the Wheel of Time. I am super excited. For our Return to the Wheel of Time reread episode 2, where we're going to be reading The Eye of the World's Chapter 1, An Empty Road. Last time we read the prologue of The Eye of the World, and it was, like, ridiculously sad. Luce Theron was crazy. We got to see the aftermath of what named him the Kinslayer. Elon Morin Tedranai, a.k.a. Balzaman, a.k.a. Ishamayel, a.k.a. You Get the Point showed up. They had this brief argument and then uh Theron went and Kamikaze um, himself, which left Ishmael incredibly upset and now he has to wait till the next stage instead of dying like I believe he wanted to. So without further ado, uh, I think we're going to just jump right into Chapter 1's here in just a second. Uh, I don't think we need any more introduction stuff, and if I'm going to ramble about crap, I think I might as well do it at the end of the podcast, rather than the beginning of the podcast. I I, I think you'd agree with that. So without further ado, let's just jump right into Chapter 1, An Empty Road, or as I like to call it, Chapter 1, Introductions and Backstory. (laughs) No, no, uh, World Building, not Backstory. Oh, I'm ridiculous. Alright, so let's get into it. This is going to be great. Chapter 1. An Empty Road The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the Third Age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past... A wind rose in the mountains of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Alright guys, time to start chapter one, An Empty Road. Uh, I I had to put in that clip of the legendary introduction. You know, memory becomes legend, legend becomes myth. Uh, I I just... It's basically a literary comfort blanket to be my now. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say. You know, I don't have a whole lot of insight on, you know, the introduction. I just, I just like it, and I like how it kind of represents what the story is, that, that most of what they're dealing with happened 3,000 years ago. That's where Chapter 1 takes up after the prologue, 3,000 years later. So they don't remember a lot of what happened back in the Age of Legends, And that's what all this story correlates to, is they have to put all this stuff together and get ready for Tarm and Gaiden. And, uh, yeah, memory fades to Myth, and even Myth is forgotten. And that gives a lot of problems to the characters going uh, going on, onwards. Uh, And you stop stumbling over my damn words. I hope I get better at this as the time goes on. This is like my fourth or fifth time recording this portion of the podcast. I record like an introduction. Then I record the uh the clip I want to use and then I talk about the chapter and then I record an outro. Uh but <laughs> oh I, I keep stumbling over my words and I don't want to do that anymore. I don't I, I don't want to re-record. So hopefully this version will be good and I think to keep myself on point as much as possible I'm going to follow the story as it breaks down. So we start again 3,000 years later uh, from the prologue. uh, Rand, Tam, and Bella, three very, very important characters, are walking down the Cory road, heading to Emmons Field so they can deliver their uh, hard cider in time for Beltane. Uh, and they're talking about how weather has been just awful. Like, everything is bad, you know? The snows, nothing's growing. It should be spring by now. The wind's cutting through. Uh, there's wolves out and about. There's bears out and about. Now, now, that could be just that things are bad, that hunting is scarce and everything like that. But I also wonder, just a little bit here, if partly because the wolves are coming down because they're trying to get closer to parent at this point, uh, I don't think we ever learn if, you know, if Perrin would have become a wolf brother regardless. Because, I, I don't know, the, the wolves aren't gone yet because Slayer hasn't shown up. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're going on. Can you imagine what it must feel? Like, the last time I went out in snow and heavy wind was, embarrassingly enough, I, I, I'm in the middle of trying to quit smoking again. And, uh... I ran out of cigarettes late in the night, and uh, I was under the influence, so I couldn't drive, so I walked to Seven Eleven to get myself some smokes, and I was, it's only, it, it, I think it's a little bit less than a mile one way, I've gotten, you know, here in Colorado, it's colder than what I was used to growing up in Oregon, uh, but, you know, it's like, you know, old, three quarters of a mile to 7-Eleven, and, ba- and then uh, the same back, and by the time I got home, my hands were stiff, and my face was red and dry and i was just cold to the bone and I, I, I they're they're spending most of the day walking to emmons field in this and rand's trying to hold his cloak cold uh closed against the wind while walk while uh keeping an arrow knot and to keep an arrow knot you got to keep a good amount of pressure pulling the bowstring back is my understanding i've never i've never done actual archery uh and, uh, you know, with those cold, numb hands, that's kind of to actually be a little difficult. Um, and I also love how uh, the more I'm reading about Norse mythology, the more I realize how much is in the Wheel of Time. Because when you look back in, in Norse mythology, Ragnarok is the final battle where the gods fight, you know, Fenris Wolf and Apophis and, you know, uh, not Apophis, um, Gormungandr. God, the world serpent, which is also a symbol in the Wheel of Time. Uh, the, the serpent biting its own tail. Uh, so much of it is into it. In Ragnarok, the final battle is actually led up to, it's, it's heralded by a never-ending winter. And that's how the series starts, is a never-ending winter, uh, which I think is I think is really cool. I hope I didn't ramble too much there or go off topic, but I, it's just something I really thought was cool. Um, also, we know that the, uh, not only is the weather awful... But that we're having problems with predators. Wolves are coming down. They're biting into chicken pens, and uh, now I've heard opposing theories on this online. And, you know, from everything, and the two I seem to hear is either the wolves, no, uh, the wolves are just acting normal, or the two theories are that the wolves are trying to get to parent. And I don't know if that's the case yet. When you see Perrin go through the the portal stone and he sees all his lies, he's pulled out his eyes. So you suspect that he might always become a wolf brother. But I don't know if he needed Elias to kind of bridge the gap there. I, 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 I don't know. It would be interesting if the wolves were trying to come down to Perrin. Because Elias does say later that the wolves started showing up wherever he went. So I mean that that's one theory, and I do like that. But another theory i have heard in actual uh, reread podcasts is that maybe it's Trollocs, and that is something I'd never thought of before because um, I believe this is Winter Night. This they're they're gonna go into town, they're gonna go home, they're gonna make dinner, and then the Narg's gonna show up. So. Yeah, it could have been like I liked that theory when I got when I heard it. I don't remember exactly which podcast it is off the top of my head. I've listened to several in the last couple of months, and I'm still doing some ongoing. Um, but the idea of it being trollics instead of wolves is really interesting because I don't know if they ever said they said a bear was sighted when a bear hadn't been sighted in years when they were talking about the wolves, but they never said wolves were sighted. They always, you know, like maybe they came out and they saw their chicken pens chewed open and went, oh, that's the wolves. And I mean, it could have been Trollocs. It's a very interesting thought that, uh, you know, but at the same time, the wolves might be coming down because of the Trollocs. But at the same time, that doesn't make sense because they would turn right around and just kill all the Trollocs until they themselves, the wolves, were dead. So I I don't know. I, I think it went too off topic there, but... It was just a fun little moment that I couldn't think about. Couldn't stop thinking about. And then we get into Rand's walking and you know, it's a it's a bad day and he turns around and there's a dude there in all dull black and he's on a black horse and he's just motionless. Can you imagine how weird that would be? How how a little freaky? Like I've heard people like, Oh, this is ridiculous. He should have talked to his father. They he should have not called his dad back. They should have went and looked for it. They should've uh talked to people and more and people in town and kept it less to themselves, but have you ever walked somewhere at night, and someone else has been walking maybe on the other side of the street or behind you, you know a couple a block or so back, and you just know they 're there they they 're not bothering you they 're not after you, but you just there 's someone walking behind you at night, and it may make you a little bit uncomfortable, especially depending on how far away you are from home. Imagine. Being in the woods on an absolutely awful day, and then you just see this absolutely terrifying man in black. The wind's not moving his cloak, and you feel hatred and fear. He doesn't know what a murder all is at this point. He makes a joke later about shadow men, but this these things aren't real to him. They're they're stories. They're fables. And he's just freaking out. And then I love how he kind of falls on his ass. And that's kind of what, you know, he, he, no, he almost falls on his ass and he catches Bella's bridle. And Bella kind of gets a little pissed at him. And Tam's like, well, what's going on? And he's like, oh, there was a dude here and he freaked me the hell out. Nah. Uh, <laughs> Tam, I like how Tam is pretty cool here. You know, you'd also think, you know, oh, this is a murder all. Don't, don't go investigate that. But Tam is Tam. Uh... <laughs> The only thing I'd hold against him here is he has a spear and not a sword. I, I, I honestly think, if Tam for some reason had his sword on right here, and uh, you know he went in and just like the murderials behind the trees, and Tam looks around and sees, it, I think Tam would win. I think Tam would win if he had a sword in his hands. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe not. He hasn't been practicing in a while, is he? Maybe maybe during uh, after book four he could win. Because uh, he's been practicing the sword again. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. You let me know what you think in the comments below. All right. So moving forward, uh, he tells his dad, like, you know, forget about it. I am obviously a crazy person. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna go on because I don't want to be out here anymore. And his cloak wasn't moving, and I don't want to sound crazy and ridiculous. So let's go. And Tam is cool with it. And this is cool because, Tam, you know, Matt, Rand's really trying to hold back his fear. And this is when we get the first mention, and Tam's like, remember the flame in the void, lad. And that's when we get the first mention of the flame of the void. Now, I've actually used my own version of this meditation in real life. It, you just imagine a flame, and you put everything into it until you're calm. With, with enough time, you can actually make it work for yourself and i truly love that's part of why i love this series so much is because it introduced me to something that helped me out but it's also really cool how quickly this was introduced when you think about how big of a deal it is for the entire rest of the story ran knows the flame in the void from the get-go and he learned it from his father and it's crazy good i love it i really do time to keep looking at my notes all right, so they're nervous. They're trying to make it to town, and they finally do. And I kind of love the description that they're walking through the woods, and the woods just start thinning until the last trees are among the houses of the village, which I I always thought that, you know, the village was kind of in this big clearing, um, which it is, but I kind of like how the woods lead directly into the village. It's actually a good... A good visual for me that I actually really liked. I also love that this is where we get into Two Rivers piece, people are tough. Two Rivers people are great. You know, They're talking about, uh, you know, weather's bad, everything's bad, but we'll survive the light willing. And if the light doesn't willing, we'll still survive because we're Two Rivers folk and then they go on to be like you know we just told you the two rivers people were amazing and hardy and awesome but guess what only the hardiest of the, the two rivers folk form in the west farm in the westwood which means that rand is even more hardy than all these people it's kind of like shoot in right there rand and tam are even more hard than the two rivers folk normal because they live in the westwood i i i just it was it was amusing to me uh, they're talking about how Beltane's starting, and, and we never get to really see much of Beltane, which is disappointing. It would have been kind of cool if uh, we got to see at least one Time festival eventually through the entire series, but it's not super important. It just lends to the world building. Uh, I love how like Rand's walking through town. And uh, he sees that kids are playing and kids haven't been playing much, so that's good. But then uh, there's a few of them who didn't escape their mothers in time for spring cleaning. So they're angrily beating a rug, all the dust off the rug and everything with, like, wooden beaters. You know, getting their frustration out because they can't play with their friends, which is just hilarious. Because I'm pretty sure every kid has experienced that. Even today, you know, you're like, "Oh, it's a great day! I'm gonna go outside and I'm gonna go play." And mom's like, "Ah, not, not, not until you take out that trash. You're not." And then you gotta do the dishes that you didn't do last night. You gotta do your share, and you're like, "No, but my friends." <laughs> oh, it's been a long time since I'm a, since I was a kid. Uh, we get introduced to more characters that actually are relevant as the series goes on. I love how the the first uh, two rivers man we actually get a name for once we enter town, is a conger. <laughs> wit witch shows up, and he sees Tam, and he comes in, and he's complaining about Nynaeve, and you know, they take a moment to discuss how the congers are just garbage (laughs) like they're lazy and they never finish their work and they always complain because those are the worst things you can say so apparently the worst two rivers man is still a million times better than tar and fairy folk you know because his worst qualities are that they might drink too much and then get lazy and then complain you know they don't actually cause like you know they don't fight they don't you know, cause big incidents. They're just complainers and lazy. You know, I also love that the first mention of Nynaeve in this series is a complaint, because I'm going to be honest, a lot of people dislike Nynaeve. I love Nynaeve. Nynaeve gets on my nerves sometimes, but I, I love Nynaeve overall. She's actually one of my favorite female characters in the series. She's just so awesome she just has certain flaws that well make her a very believable and understood character to me uh anyway i yeah i love how uh yeah she's um Wit conger is complaining about her and then his wife shows up Days conger is introduced and i don't know to me this is a fun easter egg Days Conger isn't introduced telling her husband that the wisdom is none of his business, and that if the village council's gonna mess with the women's circle, then he's gonna be cooking his own meals and making his own bed, which won't be under her roof. Uh, to me, it's, it, it's, it's just fun because she's introduced talking crap to someone who's given the wisdom a hard time when she becomes the next wisdom in book four when Perrin and everybody shows up in the two rivers days conger is the new wisdom and I just I think it's a fun little easter egg um and I also she has to not be a con she has to be a conger by marriage right she married wit conger who seems to actually be like the least bad conger you know considering he's on the council and uh and then she becomes the wisdom and everybody just seems to think she's stern and tough, but nobody really seems to think she's an awful person from what I hear. So she's actually just a lot like Nynaeve, just more like dressed like uh, Mistress uh Mother Gwenna. Who who's who's the lady in tear that was ducking people's heads in barrels for complaining, uh or arguing with each other? You know, it's kind of like she became Wisdom in Emmons Field, in my opinion. I like it. I really do. Uh, then this also leads into, which I think is a really, really kind of funny scene in the beginning of the books, which is that Rand's kind of getting timid with Tam just standing here talking to people because he's worried that the uh, the housewives, the good wives of Emmons Field will notice it's Tam and Rand. And uh, that's because apparently every uh, good wife in Emmons Field has... Got the perfect uh, new wife lined up for Tam, you know. Apparently, he's not allowed to grieve or just go about his own thing or love once and 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 call it good. He's he has to get a new wife that can take care of him. Apparently, <laughs> uh, which was which was fun. I think I think my favorite part of this conversation. Is when Rand talks about how like sometimes they corner him, and they're giving him honey cakes or just something to eat, and they're like, you know, this isn't nearly good as my cousin's cooking. And I, oh wait, how old are you now? And <laughs> and there's no way for Rand to escape outside of rudeness. <laughs> that's 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 actually that's my favorite part. There's no way for Rand to escape outside of rudeness that really shows the kind of people the two rivers were um <laughs> no reason to escape outside of rudeness i love it i love it i also love that they were asking how old rand was but also looking back that doesn't make sense because apparently everybody knew that rand was kind of a Gwaine's at this point. I think they talk later that Egwene noticed them when they were little girls, and then, like, Mistress Alvire pulled Tam aside, and then suddenly, you know, none of the girls that Egwene didn't like were hanging out around Rand. I don't... uh, It's funny to me. Uh, They're bringing in that whole thing. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier, now that I brought it up, that uh, Egwene and Matt and Perrin were all mentioned on the Quarry Road. He talked about how him and uh, Perrin and Matt went on adventures, and, you know, they went to them, you know, they went to the mountains of mist and stuff, and how the woods feel strange now. But what 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 made me go back to this point because now I'm rambling, is that was the first moment Egwene is teased, uh, Rand is teased about Egwene in the series. It, it, this chapter has multiple versions of that with Rand and Matt both. Uh, Rand and Matt, I can't even speak anymore with Tam and Matt both teasing Rand about Egwene, which seemed really real to me. It's something that you know, uh, dads and brothers and good friends to me it's something that's done and it actually made it feel more real Uh, Okay, I'm looking at my notes and I've gone completely off the rails (laughs) Oh god, I'm so sorry people I hope you enjoy this even a little bit. Uh, They talk about bell time contest. They're kind of building up bell time. I actually get excited every time I read it because they're talking about, you know, they have contests and everything. Who's the fastest to shear a sheep? I actually want to see that contest, and I don't know why. It just sounds hilarious to me. Um, it also sounds incredibly dangerous. Like, someone's a little too into it, and then all oh, the poor sheep. Uh, everybody's going to dances, and there's going to be feasts, and they're looking at the green. I I, th- I still think it would have been really fun to see Beltine. Um, I'm going down my notes. Come on, come on. I, too many points. Uh, we are introduced to the Wine Spring Inn, which is, like, the biggest building in the two rivers. And, oh, my God, it's two stories and has a stone foundation. La, la, la. It's, it's really cool, and it's really nostalgic because the Wine Spring Inn just, you know, it kind of makes you feel warm and cozy. It's kind of like how you think of maybe, uh, you know, the Leaky Cauldron or the the Three Broomsticks. You know, there's those taverns you envision in your head from these different mediums. And you, uh the Wine Spring Inn is one for me. I, I imagine it would be a very cozy place. In fact, to be completely honest, for some reason when I imagine the Wine Spring Inn, I imagine a larger version of the Hobbit Hole in the <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings. I don't know why. The movie version of Bilbo and Frodo's house. I don't know why. I imagine that just bigger uh, as the Winespring Spring Inn. It's a really weird thing in my brain, but it did it. So we're introduced to Brandelwyn Uh He's coming down, happy that Tam's here with the cider. He thought he wouldn't come. He's wearing the scales of office on him. and uh, I love how they kind of the way they describe him is kind of how they they describe Vannon later. Uh, and, and maybe even Master Gill, like, well, this guy's really heavy, but he can move quick and stealthily. I don't know why. He moves so lightly for one of his girths. It, they they bring that up a lot in the series, and uh, I just wanted to point out this is the first time. Uh, for all those who forget, Egwene has a bunch of sisters, because it says Bran Alvear lives at the, you know, he's been the mayor for 20 years. And he lives there with his wife and multiple daughters, you know. Uh, so he comes out, and there's like a jolly conversation, you know, he's, he's, he's happy to be talking to Tam, fellow member of the village council, he's here with booze, probably been worried about his buddy out there in the Westwood, and, uh, oh god, I'm getting so off the rails again, oh, where am I, where am I, I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, Brad outveer scales of office, Sen Bui comes up, complaining about Nynaeve again. Uh, <laughs> that's two village counselors complaining about Nynaeve, while amusingly enough, Bran and Tam talk well over her. Like, you know, well, if you asked her about the weather the way you normally do, Sen, I'm surprised she didn't hit you with that stick, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is means that... Nynaeve totally goes around hitting people with her stick, which I find awesome, but I've heard other podcasters talking about the Wheel of Time call it uh, kind of horrifying, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, Senbu talking about how the winter is going on forever, that he thinks Nynaeve is angry because she, pre- he, she predicts the weather will never end. Again, That uh, the ongoing to Ragnarok, the never-ending winter before the last battle. Um, and here is something really... This really fascinated me. Honestly, it's the, it's probably the most interesting part of the chapter to me. And he talks about soothsayers. So he's like, what are you now, Sen? A soothsayer interpreting omens? Omens keep bring, being brought up in The Wheel of Time. The Sean Chan interpret omens. The term soothsayer... Obviously exists in the Emmonsfield Two Rivers area, and it still sounds exactly like what Min does, doesn't it? Everybody talks about, uh, Min's power seems related to the snakes and foxes looking above, uh... Matt's head and re- and seeing to read or sniff stuff before they tell him what happens. And I totally agree that that sounds legitimate, but I want to just make clear that even though Min is the only person on this side of the uh, the Arath Ocean, I think that's the right one, uh, that is heard to have this ability, they have a name for it here, a soothsayer. Um, not only that, I think uh, it's, uh, it's been a while since I've read the, uh, the, the final books in the series. Uh, I think uh, Tuan talks about that there's other people like men across the sea. Let me know in the comments below if I'm wrong. So as the three councilmen are arguing amongst each other, this is when we finally get the introduction of Matt Cawthon. In the flesh, people. That is right. Perrin was mentioned. Nynaeve was mentioned. Egwene was mentioned. But Matt Coffin makes his appearance in chapter one, and I love it. He's hiding behind the cart, ducking down, trying to get Rand's attention. He's like pulling on his sleeve. He's like, "Come on, man. Let's get out of here. I got a badger. It's in a bag, and we're gonna release it on the green and watch the girls run." It's like it's ridiculous, dude. But it's it feels real to me. You know when you get one dude by himself, he's pretty logical. He might do some stupid shit, but he's he's not going to be that. You get him right next to his best buddy, and suddenly things are going to be going a little less smoothly. They're going to be acting a little bit more ridiculous. You add the third friend, oh my god, dude. Fart jokes have people rolling on the floor. The maturity levels just drop, and the silliest things are so much fun and it's 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 hard to explain why but you can tell right from the get-go that matt coffin has this kind of effect you know most people don't really kind of get into matt until the third book when he is a bit different but right now you can tell he is the trickster he's you know he's here to have fun you know the son of battles the gambler that comes later it's Right now it 's the core of matt he 's going to do what he wants, and he 's going to have fun and you 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 just see that he pulls this out of people by the grin on rand 's face rand's looking down at him, and he 's got a grin that's split in his own his own face, and he doesn 't even think it would be as fun as it would have a couple of years ago, but because his friend was mentioning it he 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 's pulling some enjoyment out of it, and that is great, so they 're having a little conversation here. And that is when uh, Matt mentions strangers, which is actually the topic of Chapter 2. But before he can tell this important information, he's interrupted because Matt want Rand. I keep saying Matt when I mean Rand. Rand keeps – I'm ridiculous – Rand asks Matt if he was the man in black, and this draws Matt short because Matt's seen the guy too, and he scared the shit out of Matt just like he scared the shit out of Rand, but nobody would believe him, you know, and yeah, it's kind of sad. Rand was worried about not being believed, and Rand's a pretty solid dude, and as as we learn a little bit little bit later in this conversation that Rand is actually like expected to follow Tam on the village council one day. You know, he's got reputation. Rand is considered an honest, straightforward lad. If he says something, they're not going to they're going they're going to question it a little bit, but not nearly as much as with Matt. Uh says something. You know, Matt can hand you a cup of water when you're dying of thirst and they're going to be looking in going, "What you put in here, buddy?" You know, so, uh, Matt doesn't have a great reputation, but he's sure a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> this is when, um, Tam comes over, and he's he's very smooth, because he notices Matt immediately, and he's just like, well, lad, you're going to help Rand with the unpacking, that's great, and Matt's just like, uh-uh, no, Mr. Althor, my, my, my father just, he, he he gave me an errand, yes, he gave me an errand, and I've got to go do it right now, and just, Tam is so smooth, he's just like, yeah, being a straightforward lad, I'm pretty sure you took care of it right away, I know you're not bullshitting me at all, why don't you help Rand out, and... Oh, Matt's just like, well, shit, you know, (laughs) but he does it. That that's always been a big thing for Matt is, you know, he says he's going to be selfish. He says, he's not going to do this. He says, I'm going to do what I want, whatever I want. And it's going to be the best. But the moment something else happens, one of his friends need him, even if it's not a big deal, his actions overcome his words or even his thoughts all the time, which I just love because he immediately does kind of just start helping Rand out. I mean, he actually, uh, I, I think I actually got ahead of myself because him carrying the, the cask towards the end is the very end of the chapter. Um, <laughs> but while Rand is still dawdling. So yeah, Matt was actually getting work done quicker than Rand. Think about that for a minute. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, I I must've gotten confused where it happens because It's around this time that the Gleeman is mentioned, and that brings Matt's attention. They're like, holy crap, there really is a Gleeman? This is going to be so cool. Um, You know, they ask if this cloak is black, but no, we get the, no, it's the many colors and full of patches, and Rand laughs full of relief because, oh, at least it's not the man in black, even though that would have been kind of ridiculous, but... They do kind of make Tom a little mysterious coming in here. Uh, the, he's a gleeman that came in the middle of the night. No one comes in the middle of the night. It, it makes me wonder if they're trying to build ta- uh, Tom Marilyn up as perhaps uh, someone you shouldn't trust at first. Which, I you know, I can't even conceive of anymore. It's been so long. I think I read Eye of the World for the first time when I was like 15... So I, I can't remember that far back. What is that like thirteen years? I cannot remember that far back of if I was suspicious of Tom or not. Uh but yeah, this whole leads into, yeah, there's a there's a gleam in here, he's upstairs resting. Um and also the fireworks haven't gotten here yet. Uh this leads into that whole, you know, interesting conversation where they're talking about how Rand probably would enter the village council because he's very he's very smart about it, you know. Weather's bad. Travel is bad. We ordered these fireworks forever ago, and if they don't get here, well, we don't want to lower the people's expectations. And Rand caught on to that pretty quick. Um, you know, which proves he has a lot of common sense. It, it kind of goes into a lot a lot of while later, while Rand is, you know, governing nations. He's kind of going, all this shit you're telling me to do just sounds like common sense any Two Rivers man would think of. Which I always liked, anyways. I, I, I completely... I completely went off. I went back to the fireworks, and I'm realizing it's not as important as I thought it was. I like that they kind of bring up that Rand would have followed him on. I kind of, that would have been interesting. If nothing happened, I I do. Rand would have became a council guy, Perrin would have became a council guy, and uh, (laughs) Matt would have been their drinking buddy. Uh, Yeah, so yeah, that's it. Matt is actually doing work while Rand is dawdling because Matt teased him about Egwene, and now he's all nervous. Oh no, is Egwene around? I don't want to see her, but I do. <laughs> oh, man. I I am so sorry, people. I promise I'll get better at this as time goes on. But that is definitely the end of of the Chapter 1 podcast. I think I discussed everything. What did I miss, guys? Let me know in the comments below. Email me at gleemanradio.com. Uh, whatever you want. do you want? What do you want me to talk about? Is there certain Wheel of Time things you want me to discuss? Uh, you know, just put it all in the comments or email me. Uh, same as last time as well. The end of my first podcast. I put a little shout-out to people listening I really, really don't think there's enough Wheel of Time fan art in the world, guys. I don't. I do not think there is enough. Um, I'm an anime fan, and anime fan art is everywhere. And I want to see more Wheel of Time fan art. So if you want to draw something oncoming to the series, totally send it to me at uh, GleeManRadio.com, and I will find a way to put it into the podcast with a shout-out for you. Also, if you think you can record my intro better than me... Do the same. I would actually love to play an intro made by someone else. That would be hilarious. That would be so much fun. We could even switch them out with different people. I don't know. I want a community thing going on here, but I don't know how possible that is. Uh, I'm still just starting out, so we'll see. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, wherever you are. I guess the only thing I can say for you all is, well, sleep well and wake. Let's go with the IEL dismissal. Take care, guys. Peace out.